wherever you may be around the world. And thank you for joining us once again on truth2u.org. That's truth2u.org. I'm John and joining me in the virtual Truth To You studio all the way from Ireland is Jason of spiritualbabies.net. G'day, mate. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. And in Indonesia is the author of Let's Get Biblical, Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah, Volumes 1 and 2. You can get a copy from his website, outreachjudaism.org. That's outreachjudaism.org. Welcome back to the program, Rabbi Tobias Singer. Great to have me on. Thank you. Isn't it, though? (laughs) Always a big pleasure for you. Always a big pleasure. I'm glad you're here because... I want to talk about a place that uh, that is, to me, it's very, very special. It's a place that I always visit uh, when I go on tour in Israel. It's a place that we will visit again this coming November. It's a place that's very holy. And the area, of course, is Shiloh, uh, ancient Shiloh, where God first chose to make his name abide. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back there. Tobia, I wonder if you could fill in some detail in regards to this place and I'd like to start if I may by reading from Jeremiah chapter 7 it says this the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying stand in the gate of the house of of, of the Lord and proclaim there this word and say hear the word of the Lord all of you Judah who enter in through these gates and worship the Lord thus says the Lord of hosts God of Israel amend your ways and your doings and I will cause you to dwell in this place Obviously, we're starting a book in the seventh chapter, Mm -hmm. so it's vital to understand the context of what is happening here. Okay, So in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah lived toward the very end of the first temple period. The Jews were in sin. The, um, The Assyrian Empire had collapsed. The Babylonian Empire has now reigned, and Israel has become a, a vassal state. And the Jewish people who were in deeply in sin, they had been living with Solomon's temple for four centuries, 400 years. I mean, 400 years today is a long time. In the ancient world, that was an eternity. It was just... So the the Jews were going, this is, we have our temple. This is very much like Isaiah. We have our sacrifices. There's no way anything could happen to undermine our 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 stay here. There's no way Babylon could could undermine because we have the temple. We have we have something that is permanent. We have a sacrificial system that will save us. You need, and it really is. It's the same that it's that drug of sacrifices and i use that word because the prophets speak of it derisively in isaiah chapter one you have sacrifices we're covered in the blood it's the same argument that's made routinely to this day we have the sacrifice so jeremiah is saying the context is you're fools. One other point should be made just to get e. Jeremiah in contrast to Ezekiel. In the book of Jeremiah, the Jews could still head off the destruction of the first temple. It was possible. It was not possible to overthrow Babylon, but it was still possible for the first temple not to be destroyed. And Jeremiah tried to intervene, and the Jews thought that the temple 
will save them, and the sacrifice will save them. Right. And Jeremiah, and that's the context. Jeremiah says, "You, this chapter nearly got him killed." So now this literally. is why. So Toby, this is why the the next verse, verse four, it says that the Lord is telling uh, Israel, "Do not trust in these lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these." This is yeah. the attitude that you're talking about, right? Exactly. That means that okay. this is the this is something that's permanent. This is something that will never go away. But he's going, you fools, you don't get it. This can be destroyed in a moment, and your sacrifices won't save won't you. Save you. Will not save you. That's what he's saying. And what's happening, you must know this, is like, what's the problem? Jeremiah is Jeremiah. Why didn't people listen? The problem were, was that there were these false prophets running around saying, nah, we could fight Babylon, we could defeat them, this is our country, and they were ultra-nationalists, not realizing that you have prophets saying, God's not on your side. So there's going to be attack on these prophets, they're not even called false prophets, they're, they're called scribes, they're not even called false they call the scribes with the lying pens. Like a lot of religions will, you know, will will take that out of context. But that's what's happening here. So Jeremiah has an an enemy, but the enemy in Jeremiah is are not people saying worship Baal. Uh, that's this is not Elijah's situation. These are people who are saying God told me that we should go to war. And go to war with Babylon, and nothing can happen to to destroy the temple. Mm. Okay, there's the context. So it goes on in verse five. If you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbour, if you do not oppress a stranger, the the fatherless and the widow, and if you do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in this land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Everything you're hearing, look, if you listen to the show, if you're a Christian, but you you realize that Jeremiah is saying what you need to do is, is engage in social justice, taking care of the weakest members of society. That's what God wants, mm-hmm. and that's what will save you, and that's what can save you. And by the way, Ezekiel says that's what will save the Jews. It's, we're going to go too far off. In, in Christian theology, Jeremiah is speaking, is, is, is going, is what? There is no act. If you read Romans, all the letters of Paul, there is nothing you can do to save yourself. There is no work you can do. You could be kind to anybody you want to. You're a sinner and you need the blood. The whole message is here, no, the blood won't save you. The sacrifice won't save you. But if you have sin, that sin can be atoned for and Mm -hmm. your iniquity can be wiped clean if you would just take care of the hungry and and care for the fatherless. I mean, I mean, Jeremiah, this is the... This is the most anti-missionary chapter in the Bible. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, this is loaded. I mean, there's just nothing. You'll never find Paul saying this. I mean, (laughs) And nothing I'm saying is a stretch. That means I'm not interpreting anything. I'm just, read it, Jeremiah 7 and 8. They're actually connected. Let's be frank. Judaism and Christianity are both... A, a two approaches to deal with sin. Okay, we could say that. That's fine. I don't mind saying that. Two faiths that are saying 
This is how we should address the problem of sin. We don't say that sin isn't a problem. What we're, the problem is that the, the, the solution that Christianity offers is thoroughly opposed by the prophets of Israel. And the, so that what classical Judaism is saying, that you pray and give charity and turn from your way, that's what will save you. Not someone can die for you. Forget about a human sacrifice, even just setting that aside. That can save you. Now, ask yourself this question. If you're a Christian, ask yourself which one of those prescriptions, uh, spiritual prescriptions, is consistent with the word of God. It may feel good to believe in Jesus, but is that an idea that is conveyed by Jeremiah? Jeremiah is screaming and opposing, and that's, I'm not even touching the human sacrifice part, and you know what I would say about that. So, my friends, don't look at Jono or, or Jason. Me, I know you like, but then maybe not. Don't, but don't. It's not not anti-missionaries. We're just saying, look at this text and saying, how? What am I supposed to do with this? And if I have Jeremiah on one side preaching this, and I have Paul writing letters, I mean, of course, I'm going to go with Jeremiah rather than mm. Paul. I, I I had to say that. Go ahead. I just want to stretch this open a bit. So I know that there are people listening to the show who um, won't, who don't believe in Jesus and don't keep any Christian part of their faith. Uh, you know, Christian is not part of their faith, but I don't want them to skip over this and think this doesn't mean them. We've got a group of people here who are probably living what they think to be quite righteous lives and doing what they think they've been asked to do and to, to kind of elevate it a little bit. Doing what you think you've been asked to do in a minimum way doesn't doesn't tick the box. It, the text says, if you really change your ways and your actions, if you do not oppress the, and he lists kind of the whole of the Torah very succinctly and how you treat others and social justice, and also how you can uh, repent through action. And often, I, I know personally, sometimes I find myself doing the minimal amount and expecting that to be enough when it isn't. It's a whole life change. So there might be people listening, and I didn't want that to happen, where they thought, well, you know, I don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I, I kind of do I do what the text says. But it's, it's living it out as a physical thing where you actually put energy and effort and thought into trying to do the best you can while you live that faith life. Sure. It's different sure. to just ticking the boxes every day. Verse 8, Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal and murder and commit adultery, swear falsely and burn incense to Baal and walk after other gods whom you do not know and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my, called by my name and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a, a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I have seen it, says the Lord. Now, here's, here's a key verse. This is verse 12 uh, for what we want to talk about. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I sent my name at first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by, by my name, in which you trust, and to the place which I, which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, 
as I cast out all your brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim. Wow. Now, Tobia, that, of course, uh, raises the question, doesn't it? What happened in Shiloh? How does it relate to this? And what are we expected to remember and and learn from from this here? The key, the first part, if you don't get this, you might as well go home and you'll never understand Jeremiah. The inhabitants of Jerusalem felt completely secure because they had a temple. That's number one. Jeremiah was there to tell them that their behavior is what counted, and the temple will not help them. And then he, God reminds them right here in this critical verse, you're right, verse 12 is the that turning point. He reminds them now of the destruction of Shiloh, who was destroyed by the Philistines. That was the, the sanctuary. This was not the same building built by Moses. That wasn't destroyed. Shiloh was already a, a permanent dwelling. It was made out of stone. And it, it had been there for, what, over 300 years, 369 right? years. Yeah. That's right. It was built there after the... Uh, it was a brief period. It was in Gilgal. But once Shiloh was established, that was the, that was the tabernacle. That's where everything was carried out. And it was there until until the death of Ailey, the Kohen, when hmm. the Ark was captured by the Pelishtim. We find that in, in 1 Samuel chapter 4. And the key hmm. message is, is, despite the fact of how holy this temple, this tabernacle was, Hashem allowed it to be destroyed. And it became, when what happened? Because the people behave sinfully. There's no text at all that says, oh, the gay brought lousy sacrifices in Shiloh. They, they, that, wasn't even, that wasn't even brought up. And now, it's interesting that the we have a, quite a few. Shiloh is a picture, is, is a, a paradigm, is a moving portrait of a temple that can be destroyed. We see that in Psalm 78, verse 60, where it says, Vayitosh Mishkan Shiloh, that God had turned, had destroyed or abandoned. Itosh really means that he abandoned Shiloh. We see one thing for my precious listeners, and that is that Jeremiah is a challenge uh, please, God, we'll, uh, we'll do a show on the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's completely out of order, wildly out of order. Just understand, it's like nothing like Joshua, okay? So actually, this section completely integrates with uh, Jeremiah 26. And we, sat, we see the same passage there. So it's, it's actually running... Chapters are juxtaposed differently for another reason that's way beyond the scope of this broadcast. But we see also, we see the same thing in Jeremiah 26, verse 9, that Shiloh is the picture. I did this to Shiloh. You saw what happened there. That was a holy place. It was a permanent structure, unlike the tabernacle built by Moses that was made out of wood that was carried through the wilderness. This was Mm -hmm. built out of stone. And we were there, and that's quite a sight. And it is. It's. It really is. And I, when I'm there, I really. And I don't know about. I mean, Jason, was it the same for you? You really feel the holiness of the place. I um, the whole time we were there, I think um, I had two emotional experiences. I mean, sometimes it makes me sound very cold. I had fun and everything while I was there, but two that really I had a full-on like physiological effect on my body, and it was the hotel and uh, Shiloh. 
and what was really amazing at Sheila was so it was the weather was you remember it was it was rotten the day we got there. Oh, it was, it was raining, yeah, and raining, yeah. and um, everyone was getting a bit wet and a bit kind of grudging and moaning. And we walked up to the visitor center, which was awesome. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but there's an amazing, yeah, yeah, um, audio visual thing waiting for you at the visitor center. It was fabulous. Um, but and then we walked down towards the site um the the proper biblical site and then the heavens opened up and the sun shone through mm. and i think that was special for everything everybody yeah. but standing yeah. on the site where you knew that the priest stood and the ark was within 50 meters of where your feet were and you're looking at rocks in the ground and wondering whether hannah walked over those when she made her prayer mm. um and i have to admit um during that 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 period i felt absolute connection to the text in the tanakh absolute connection mm-hmm. to the people i was breathing the same air looking at the same hills um and, and I, I was enveloped in it and it made me think and when the, we, we we talked a little bit there while we were there about the the prayer of hannah and it it really opened up my mind to what prayer was because it was it here was a woman without any um without any uh, uh, uh um, what am i looking for without any assistance or um guardian walking into a completely dedicated holy area and having mm. a conversation with her creator about something yes. that was completely personal to her. Beautiful. And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, could I do that? Is that what prayer is? Is, is prayer, you know, is that, is that what, you know, how I should talk to God? Should I be looking mm. at a ritual or a tradition or can you just kind of pour your heart out mm. in a place that's holy to you, regardless of your, race or ethnicity or sex or uh, age or gender and um yeah so it was a complete it was a very um special day and uh one that i think about nearly every day mainly because i robbed a few stones on the way out as i was telling you (laughs) through a few souvenirs (laughs) and i have to admit i did too there's there's pottery all over the place just pieces of broken pottery and it's um uh, it makes a nice souvenir to just to pick one up and take it with you but but this is the thing now you mentioned hannah and of course, we're in First uh, Samuel chapter one, and uh, Hannah is she's upset. She doesn't have any children. Uh, her husband's other wife uh, has has children. She doesn't have children. It really is upsetting her. And she, as you said, she goes and pours her heart out to the Lord. And and uh, Eli, the the priest, the high priest uh, at the time, speaks with her and says, "What are you? Are you been drinking? Are you drunk?" And she goes, "No, no, no. I'm I'm praying. I'm uh, this is you know this is the what I'm praying about." And he's, he basically says, God has heard your prayer, go, and, and may, may your prayer uh, be answered. Now, she does conceive, and it's Samuel. And she promised in her prayer to God that she would, and how do I explain this, Tobia? Well, Dedicate him to the Lord. Uh, so when he is weaned, that's exactly what she does. Yeah. She brings him back to that place, and he, uh, he is brought up by Ellie. Can I say that? I mean, in the temple. I mean, what an amazing thing. Yeah. Ellie was my great-grandfather. I'm a direct descendant of him. You are? Yeah. yeah. Now the You know, it's interesting. Connor's prayer is the foundation of all our major prayers. And in fact, in our synagogue in Jakarta every Shabbat, so when we learn a new prayer from the Siddur, I show how it is based, fundamentally based on Hannah's prayer. And I, I want to say this about Jason. Um, Jason, Jason's a very dear friend. I, I say it in front of him. Um, I don't like saying nice things about him in front of him, but he, he's a very, he's a very dear friend. He really is very dear to me. He wrote a very beautiful 
article, which I know is on Facebook, about his encounter with the Western Wall um, and how the experience, the uh, the numinous experience transcended anything that he anticipated and I, in my best writing I could have never written something so from the heart I so uh, if uh, Jason I, I don't know how to find it exactly but I remember reading it and just blown back because I was there with him and it was just very powerful and I remember Jason walking and slowly through the so the the mount this temple mount on Shiloh, and the way Shiloh is very bright because i mean i 'm not going to lie to you, the temple mount is a, a place of a lot of tension there's you know the elaxa there's there's problems it's complicated, but Shiloh is just open there's nothing mm. so Shiloh is you know the temple mount is very intense, and there's a lot of you know, distraction because of all the security and love. Sheila doesn't have that. So she's a time of contemplation. And you know, yeah. there's something, you know, Chano says to God, like she didn't have, she didn't have children. And what also hurt her a lot was her, when she turned to her husband and says, I don't have children, his response was so unsatisfying to her. He said, but you have me. Isn't that worth more than 10 children? She's going, <laughs> you, you, you don't get it. Your love for me. You're nice and all, but. <laughs> yeah, but that's not replacing children, don't you get it? And she turned to God and said to him, you, Look at me. I mean, she's like pointing at her body mm. and said, You've created this for children. Like, why did you create me for? Like, why did you give me this body except to bring children to the world? It's a, a transcendent prayer. People don't know this. They go into a synagogue and they follow the prayers as best they can. They don't realize that the, aside from the prayers that are from the Book of Psalms, the prayers are fundamentally built on a structure. Maybe we'll do another show of her prayer, which is just because it's beautiful and it uh, is a place yeah. uh thanks to hannah because her her prayer was answered that it's a it is a very very special place to stop contemplate and pray and 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 in fact i was on a tour and a friend of mine she did not have children she wanted children she wanted to uh, to start a family and she prayed there and uh the following year she did start a family she now has a son and of course she named him samuel mm. and it's a beautiful thing and but Coming back to, to Jeremiah chapter 7, what is the information that we have from there? Because, of course, Samuel grows up uh, at Shiloh there. He receives the first prophecy, and the prophecy is against Eli, or really against his household because of his two sons. We understand mm-hmm. that Eli's sons, Hophni and Pinhas, are corrupt for whatever reason. They take bribes. Well, they, it's they, whatever very easy to say. I mean, they're committing the larceny that, you know, they were essentially exploiting a position of power, which was... Uh, a, a great crime in the eyes of Hashem. Now, are they the instigators of the wrath of God as we read about it in Jeremiah chapter 7? Jeremiah is not addressing the behavior of the past. He is simply, Jeremiah is saying, look, if that's why you, if you don't get this like the foundation, the people think they have a full security 
that we have the temple. It's like maybe people think that we have the state of Israel, the eighth most powerful country in the world militarily. Nothing could defeat in Jeremiah. You don't get it. <laughs> you think what you have will save you. It won't. And if you think it will, there were people in the past that had the same kind of delusionary thinking and look what happened to them. And there was nothing wrong with their the quality of their sacrifice, the blood. It didn't save them. And if it didn't save them in the past, think about it. This will be like Shiloh. So is is but is Jeremiah seven making an accusation about the people of the day in Shiloh uh, that they were in idolatry, that they trusted in their sacrifices rather than uh, in that in in their conduct before God? Is it making the same uh, accusations about the people back then as Jeremiah was about the people of the day? Yeah, because he says he's saying don't put your trust in a temple i mean in fact if you go to verse 14 that's exactly what's being conveyed right so um when i when i look at it i look at it like this you had a group of people in shiloh and yeah we know we get this impression that some of the um priests weren't doing things maybe the way they should have been and that there was some uh indiscretion at some areas but I think what um, Jeremiah is saying is that just because you think you have a temple here and that God's name is here, don't think that that protects you from all the wrongdoing. I don't think that's a reflection on Shiloh. He's just using Shiloh as an example of the fact that this has been done before and I changed my mind. I don't know if he's drawing a direct parallel between the acts of the people at that point and the acts of the people in Shiloh. No, he's just saying that their behavior... Uh, caused the temple to be destroyed and the temple didn't save them. The temple was only there as so long as the people behaved when the people turned away from god now what turned away from god so then the temple was destroyed of course we have the fantastic connection as you pointed out jano that you know here shmuel is going to essentially be born in in the in shiloh meaning he he's going to be raised up. he's going to receive his prophecy in the temple itself and eventually he will anoint king david who is the founder of the first temple meaning because he prepared it's called the, the temple of david he prepared the materials so there is that connection we the, the bridge has been created but he's saying don't have any any assumption that god's going to save this temple this temple isn't going to save you very simple so uh, they went to war uh, against the Philistines. Uh, Hophni and Pinhas were killed. Uh, this news was delivered to Eli on top of the news that the uh, the Ark of the Covenant had been captured as well. And Eli fell off his seat backwards and mm. uh, he hit his neck and he died. He, he broke his neck. He was and sitting on a chair, literally at on the Temple Mount on on the on the. At Sheila, I mean, he was literally mm. sitting, chair tilted back, and he died. And the reason was is that he uh, he he was held. Why was he held accountable? Because he did not he he looked away. He did not adequately rebuke his children. He, he was didn't curb the behavior of his of his sons. And and Eli, uh, I mean, he served there for forty years as as high priest, mm. and that was uh, there. It came to an end at Shiloh, which is another sobering uh, realization when you're there. 
Now, let me take you to back to the Torah, Deuteronomy chapter 12, if I may. Uh, verse 8, it says, You shall not all do as, as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes, for as yet you have not come to rest uh, and the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, but when you cross over the Jordan to dwell in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all your enemies around so that you dwell safely, then there uh, will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall bring your, uh, your um, sacrifices and, and offerings and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Now, uh, as it said in, in Jeremiah chapter 7, uh, Shiloh is the place where God caused his name to abide at first. What is, and, and as you pointed out, Tobia, there's no one shouting at you like, uh, like it could happen potentially on the Temple Mount. The pressure, the tension that is right. at the Temple Mount, it's not in Shiloh. No, it's what very is stopping relaxed. people? Yeah. What is stopping people from making Shiloh a place of worship again? Can Shiloh have a functioning altar? No, it means that Jerusalem, once Jerusalem was founded by King David, Jerusalem will forever be the holiest place. And in fact, that's the very last passage of the book of Ezekiel, that God is going to restore his name Mm -hmm. to that very place. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'll say something I don't know if I ever said on air, but it's one of the things that just hit me over the head. And if someone knows of an exception, if if someone can correct me on this, please do. Every single prophecy about the land of Israel in the Messianic age, the land of Israel isn't called the land of Israel. It's only called Jerusalem in Messianic passages. It doesn't say the land of it. It's all it's all the nations coming out to war against Jerusalem. Jerusalem be founded. Its mountain will be above all other mountains, and all nations will flow to it. So, it literally, all of Israel becomes Jerusalem. It's really, I mean, that I mean, Jerusalem just becomes the center of everything. Mm. You know, it's uh, so. So, amid amid current tensions, it would not serve as an interim place to. No, first of all, we can't do it because we all are contaminated. It means we don't have a we don't have a red heifer. We we can't. Number two is that we. The truth is that it doesn't say anywhere that we build it. It actually, if you look at the last two passages of Ezekiel, it's quite clear that God will place His sanctuary among you. So this is an act of God that happens when the Messiah comes. It's Deeply connected to the universal knowledge of God, as it says, all the nations will know that I am Lord. So, therefore, building a temple is now bringing a carbon pesach theoretically might be possible because you don't have to necessarily bring that in the temple itself. But um, I, it, it, we're all contaminated. We can't do that. We have to wait for so, Mashiach. And it's going to be Jerusalem, not Shiloh. So, so bringing a, a lamb for Pesach, is that what I heard you say? I mean, it, maybe. Needed, well, you'd have to really be in a state of uh, purity. It, there's complications, purity complications. Uh, but there are people There are people I know of in Jerusalem that, do have, an, that have built an altar. <laughs> they, they um, but to the, it's forbidden since the building of Shiloh. It also has been forbidden, really, to have a gil a a bummer. People built altars 
in Jerusalem, in, in their homes or wherever, mm -hmm. uh, there's um, one in Sedei, uh, wherever. But um, with the hope that Mashiach might use it when he arrives. So mm -hmm. people have built altars like that. But the truth is that, you know, we're not in a state of purity for it right now. We need the red heifer in order to do this. Right. Okay. It, we just don't, we don't have that. We can't. So that's, that's not going to happen. Jason, what's going through your mind? I was just uh, thinking about the experiences we had there. And, um, you know, the, the, the tour is awesome, right? I'd recommend anyone, uh, if you can do it this year, do it. It will change your perception of Israel. Uh, it's people and the land and the, the relationship between you and the text and the text and the lands. And it's, it's like um, 10 days of brilliance. But I just wish it was 30 days of brilliance so we could <laughs> spend like a full day in some of these places. Um, well, that's, that's the thing I would love to spend. Shiloh is just one of those. I, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like, uh, and I hate talking about, you know, the, the way it, it, it plays on my emotions, but it's just such a, a holy place when you read uh, what happened there, you read the text, and then you're standing there. It's not a massive place like it might have happened just over, like mm. over, over in the distance there. It's, it's really a, a kind of a, a small, compact area that, that these actual, uh, you know, First Samuel chapter 1 uh, through, to, through, to, through to chapter 4, you're standing right there. It's the size of a of a football pitch, perhaps, and these events happened right in front of your eyes. It's an incredible place to be, and to know that this is where uh, God first caused His name to abide. It's just, there's just a lot of gravity in that knowledge, and I really feel it every time I go to Shiloh, and that's why it will always be on the tour. And I can't wait to get back there this coming November. The other thing about Shiloh is that you can pray there, and so many people did. Uh, on the Temple Mount, I'm not going to lie to you, it, it's part of the tour, but, you know, you, you, the, the stupid agreement that Israel made, whatever, is that, you know, Jews can't pray. I mean, I'm not going to mislead you. Shiloh is a place that you can really encounter God, like John was said, as Hannah did. Yeah, so if you uh, want to get over there, then uh, with us um, on the bus... You will make a whole new load of uh, friends, as well as I'm sure be on there with a load of old ones. One of the really coolest things about the tour was the sense of uh, connection I had with everybody when the tour ended. <laughs> you know, we got on with there with people I kind of knew, some people I knew quite well, some people I didn't know at all. But by the end, everyone knew everybody, and it was a lovely experience. Something I'm not used to having because I tend to be quite uh, insular. I don't really go out and meet people. That's why we're on the internet and not on a telly. But right. <laughs> Um, mm. But I was, you know, it's totally out of my comfort zone, but everyone was really lovely and we all came from kind of different directions, but we all got together um, and focused on seeing Israel in as much context as possible. And if you want to do that, you can go over to truthtoyou.org and place your deposit down for your seat now and you could be there with uh, Rabbi Tovia and with uh, Ross and Jono this coming November. You know, a lot of people that were there with us uh, last year have already done that and they're starting to fill the same people are starting to fill up the bus, which is a wonderful thing. I can't wait to see them again, but we would love, there are still uh, seats available. We would love you to join us. There is a, a, a link on this post as well, and uh, you can secure your place on the bus. Final thoughts, Tobia, before we go. We all knew each other from Facebook and so on, but we hadn't seen, so it was like a family really getting together and it was very, very special. The time was wonderful. The food was ridiculous. 
was awesome. And you know what? Now, one last thing, by the way. Now, speaking of ancient Shiloh, uh, they do have the one thing that I really like um, about Shiloh as well is that there's a uh, there's a visitor center there, and inside the visitor center is a whole lot of uh, locally made crafts that you can purchase. And the thing I love about that is that. We're in the so-called West Bank, right? And and I love being able to uh, really buy some some local crafts made by uh, some local Jewish craft and supporting them there. And it's just you got a talit there, didn't you, Jason? I did. I have a talis. It's um, sitting in my cupboard, waiting for the time where I go and I wear it for reals. Um, and and as soon as you because you told me about this, I think last year you said that they were they had. That's because I uh, I got one the, the year before, handmade, right, handwoven. And yeah, and you can feel it. It's, it was, uh, and it was beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, I had to have it, and I wanted, yeah, and you, you know, to support the local industry, but uh, and artisans, people that make stuff with their hands, and there's no machinery involved, and it just feels very like earthy and authentic and mm. um, you don't get that anywhere else no uh, not you, at all you've got to go no. hunting around and that's that's a wonderful thing thank you my friend Jason of spiritualbabies.net Rabbi Toby a singer of outreachjudaism.org the books of course let's get biblical why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah volumes 1 and 2 outreachjudaism.org and of course uh, tobyasinger.tv where all your videos are right absolutely there it is until next time dear listeners be blessed set apart by the truth of our father's word shalom Thank you.